THN is brought to you by Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska, and by listeners like you. Go to TwoHeadedNerd.com and click Donate, or visit Patreon.com backslash TwoHeadedNerd to become a supporter. Hacha! Our story this week picks up where we left off last week. Broadcasting from the Ziggurat at Omaha, deep below the metro area, it is our pleasure to welcome you to episode 526 of the Two-Headed Nerd Comic Book Podcast. Nerds, my name is Matt Bob. I'm the Internet's Joe Patrick. In this week's episode, we're reviewing eight of Wednesday, May 24th's new comics with spotlight reviews of Ascender, number one. Oh, come on. Ascender, number one. <laughs> and Ghost Tree, number one. Then it's down to the THN Sanctum Sanctorum, where Joe is getting a lesson in pain while we talk about the secrets of next week's comics. And finally, we'll pay a visit to our nerd peeps across the pond where we check in with Staley Lord Fungus to see how the UK is dealing with Avengers Endgame fever. It's sweeping the world. Yeah, it's super contagious too. But before we turn over the heavily redacted script for episode 525, we better talk about this week's. Yeah, we're handing over the script for last week's because we haven't done this one yet. Yes, we haven't had a chance to get in trouble I with didn't Congress. Know what you were doing? Okay. Got it. Nerd news. Great. Nerd news. <laughs> redacted. The showrunners of FX's Why the Last Man, which they just call Why because. That's not impossible. Well, it doesn't matter. It's not impossible to search for. <laughs> uh, they have announced their exit from the series over disagreements with the network. Ida Mashaka Kroll, who I assume is one of the showrunners, broke the news on her own Twitter in a letter co-signed with co-showrunner Michael Green. Here's the quote. Sad news for fans of Why the Last Man Today, FX has decided not to move forward with our series in its current form. We're grateful to everyone who came together, yada, yada, yada. Uh, they list the cast, Pia Guerra and Brian K. Vaughn, of course. Uh, it, I don't really know what the problem was. Yeah. Uh, they don't really say. And they're just saying that, like, FX didn't like the script, I guess. I guess. They looked at it and went, nah, we don't dig it. FX ordered. Which, are you going to wonder, are the, were they doing something different with the script? I don't know. And FX was like, no, 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 no. We heard about, we already took heat. We saw the heat people took on Preacher. Yeah. We want to be truer to I mean, it or Pre something. Preacher, Preacher's getting four seasons. That show was a success. But well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, it could be a bigger success too. Sure. You know, I don't know. It's weird. It, it is weird. It leads me to believe that they wanted, I don't know. I'm completely guessing. I mean, it could be the network saying, oh, the, why the last man? No, no, no. Let's make all these crazy changes. Yeah. Like, we don't really know. Thing. It could be the, the network, network being could be like, getting it wrong. We love the book. Don't yeah. get me wrong. Can the bitches be hotter you know like we don't know <laughs> uh, fx ordered a y pilot in april 2018 and production began in august and it has not been confirmed though if the pilot was ever completed no but the network did order a full first season in february of this year fx is reportedly moving forward with the series and the same cast that's not good right seeking replacement seeking replacement showrunners that's not good right it doesn't sound good. No, it's a it bad sounds sign. rushed. It seems like a bad. It sign. sounds super rushed. Yeah. I, I, this does not bode well. Uh, fingers crossed. I don't know. I, and why are we not calling it "Why the Last Man"? I don't know. What the fuck? I don't know. That's don't the know. name of the book. I know. Meanwhile, production on DC Universe's Swamp Thing has unexpectedly shut down as the show <laughs> and the show will be shortened. Yeah, I love it. They just came in and they're like, "Okay, we're done here." Like, no, no, no. We've got three more episodes. Nope. You're done. <laughs> uh, this is news coming from the hard-hitting entertainment uh, 
rag the Wilmington, North Carolina Star News newspaper. Well, that's where they film it. <laughs> Uh, according to several unnamed sources within the local industry, Warner Brothers suspended work on the show on Tuesday, <laughs> well, April sixteenth. The, the, the craft services guy was like, "No, I, I don't have." They to told go me to not today. to come to work. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, we're done. And they said that the show was being rewritten to end with episode ten instead of the announced thirteen episode full season. That's not good. Also, also not good. That's not good. Uh, however, because episode ten was not where the if you think about the way that you write. You know, action. There's like opening, and then there's rising action, and then there's a climax, and then you have the denouement, which is like the last ten minutes of the last episode. It's not episode ten. Well, it's okay, probably in episode twelve and here's thirteen. The, here's the thing. Uh, one of the main criticisms that I saw over and over about the Marvel Netflix shows is that they're too long. Yes, I don't disagree with that, but I'm saying thirteen, and they were thirteen episodes. I agree, but also they got to tell their whole story. <laughs> sure, but like maybe they got into it and they're like, you know what, this is way too no, way too long. Nope, this let's is tighten money. this shit up. This is money. Mm. DC is seeing that they are not making the money that they thought they were going to on the DC app. They're not. Well, see, that's not what I've heard. I've heard that the, subs uh, the subscriptions to the app are exceeding expectations. Yeah, and they're not making money on the TV shows because the TV shows are very expensive and they're not giving coverage outside of the app. Yeah. I mean, this CBS, who does Star Trek Discovery, has Discovery on Netflix for the whole rest of the damn world, right? And they're CBS, so they've got something to fall back on, their whole entertainment network. This DC app thing has to stand alone on its own, and they were asking it to compete with Netflix, with Hulu, with with every other streaming, Amazon, and all this other stuff. There's no way. They're preaching to the choir with this. If they want this, if they want to be a success, get it out there. Put it on Netflix. Sure. Put it on, you know, the Disney streaming app. <laughs> I don't see that happening. No, I don't see it on Disney+. Plus. Brendan Fraser certainly can't have sex with people from behind on Disney+. Plus. Uh, no, no. Know, it's like, PG. Yeah, Sorry. Yeah, no doggy style on Disney+. Plus. Sorry. <laughs> uh, Swamp Thing was filming in North Carolina in part due to a grant from the state. Hey, so they were at least getting some money from the government to make Swamp Thing. No, no, no. They get tax breaks, just like Georgia does. Georgia gives mm. out like huge tax breaks to film movies there. Sure, sure. Yeah. That's why uh, all the Marvel movies were filmed there. Warner Brothers said it expected to spend around $85 million in that area for the first season. Yeah, that's a ton of money for yeah. a show that's not out yet. That, we don't know anything about. And it's going on a paid digital app for nerds. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's true. I just the money can't be there. It can't. Now, uh, the Star News is going a little farther, questioning like the. Uh, viability of the app saying it might be in trouble. I don't know if it's in trouble. I think that they're getting, I think that they're getting subscriptions. They are. I think that you're right. Normals are not subscribing to DC universe. No, because it, think about it. The people that read comics and want to read comics, we're talking about a fairly small pool of the population here, right? Sure. And you come to them with the DC app and the big thing is, okay, there's TV and there's comics on it. Great. I mean, I'm and into a that. Bunch of movies. You're I mean, into there's that. So, there's but lots of content. on Somebody it, who doesn't yeah. read comics, sure, is not going to go. Man, I want to check out that Titan show so bad. I'm going to pay for this comic book app. No, but if you put it on Netflix, I bet they watch it. Yeah. If you put Swamp Thing on Amazon Prime, someone's going to watch it. People watch The Tick, and most people don't even know that The Tick is a cartoon character or a comic book character. Sure. No clue. You know. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I, I think that the marketing behind these uh, this app and, and the kind of exclusivity of the content, it's not 
Not smart, maybe. No. I think they should have focused on a comic app. And then if Warner Brothers wants to do their streaming, pick somebody and say, you can only get the Warner Brothers stuff here and have them pay him for it. Or do what Marvel's doing, get in bed with Disney and launch your own juggernaut, you know? But you can't make it a little side thing on an island that only super nerds are going to pay for. You can't. I mean, I I think it was an ambitious idea. Very ambitious. And and well, obviously we don't know what the future holds, but um, like I'm I'm willing to say right now with the recent additions to the comic side of it that DC Universe is definitely worth it. I think it is. Uh, I agree. It's seven ninety nine a month. That's that's super affordable, and they're putting their entire digital library on there. Yeah. And so if they took the TV shows away, I'd still say it was probably worth it. Yeah, I I don't disagree. But but I think they're the losing money their ass. that they're spending. They're losing has their ass. gotta hurt. Speaking of net mil- now, but hold on. Oh. Uh, 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 Speaking of Swamp Thing, though, they did release the first little teaser trailer. Did you watch it? Yeah, it looks cool. He looks pretty neat. He looks great. He looks like Swamp Thing. <laughs> I, so it's still coming out. I it's coming say, out May 31st. I, just, I wanted, it didn't look as horror as I was hoping Well, for. we got so little. It was just yeah, like him, very him rising out of the swamp. Right, right but I wanted a little more horror. Yeah, you wanted more yeah. horror. Hot bitches. Horror. Yeah. <laughs> In Netflix news, Mark Miller's latest Miller World project through Netflix has been announced via deadline, Space Bandits, drawn by Matteo Scalera of Black Science fame. He is so friggin' good. Yeah. Space Bandits follows two intergalactic criminals named Thena Cole and Cody Blue. Boy. As they team up. <laughs> they, to sound like, they sound like CW actors. Sort of. <laughs> or like a female uh, wrestling tag team. <laughs> okay, sure. <laughs> Thena and Cody team up to get revenge on the gangs that betrayed them both. Space gangs. There you go. Yeah. yeah. In a world with a billion superhero properties. Oh, this is whatever. We don't even care. Yeah, this is marketing shit. It's unclear in what form Space Bandits will appear on Netflix, be it a film or a television series. However, the comic book series, which will publish through Image Comics, is described as an adaptation. Sure. So they're treating the show or movie or whatever as I the guess. original property. Right. Space Bandits number one is due out July 3rd and will feature a variant cover by Howard Chaikin. <laughs> Let me tell you what. If the adaptation comes out months and months before the yeah, show, it's I, not an adaptation. Yeah, I think it would be the other <laughs> way around. But it, I, I guess it's clever enough. Sure, yeah, whatever. whatever. Uh, Mateo Scalera. He's great. Absolutely. Uh, you know, uh, Miller is hit and miss. The thing about Miller is that most of his ideas sound great on paper. They're all like super boiled down. Like, uh, yeah, I, I was going to say, I would it's argue. It's Batman, but evil. They're it's very Superman, simple. Superman, but stupid. They're very straightforward, very sure. simple. This is Thelma right. and Louise in space. Yes, but, you know, right, exactly. But they're going after the gangs instead of the cops coming after uh, them. So I don't know. It, it sounds like it might be fun. Uh, the thing that he is super great at is getting great collaborators. Mm-hmm. And I'm excited for Mateo Scalera. Mateo Scalera is awesome. Yeah. I kind of wish... I've been watching Love, Death, and Robots lately. It is mm. amazing. And I kind of wish they would be doing more stuff like this animated. Really mm. sexy animated. I don't need everything to be live action. This would be perfect animated. Make it bonkers, you know? Yeah, I'm with you. It. That sounds good. Back to comics here. New details of Marvel's upcoming Valkyrie ongoing series have been revealed on Marvel.com, including the identity of the hero taking the mantle of the fabled guide to departed heroes. Uh, spoilers for War of the Realms number two. Yep. Brunhilde is not doing so great. No. <laughs> that hero is none other than Jane Foster, who previously took on the mantle of Thor until her apparent death and the return of the name Thor to the Odin son. Uh, Foster has been seen alive and well in War of the Realms yeah. as 
cancer free. Uh, she was in War of the Realms number two, kicking ass. She's carrying a sword around. And uh, as we said, the classic Valkyrie Brunhilde apparently died. Uh, as previously announced, Al Ewing and Jason Aaron will co-write the title with Ewing billed as the lead writer. Cafu is the series artist. I do love Cafu. See, everybody on the book is amazing. I okay, I'm coming on. I'm coming on hot on this one. I think uh, it's a mistake. Why? This is a mistake. Why? Because you have a Valkyrie character that was so huge and so hot in Thor Ragnarok. Yes. She's going to be in Avengers Endgame. Yeah. This is a perfect chance to introduce that character now. And they did already. I get it. In Exiles. Give her the job. Sure. Give her the damn job. Yeah. Exiles doesn't count. This would count. I mean, it counts, but It yeah. doesn't, and it's canceled. <laughs> yes, so, that's true. So doubly, does I don't not know count. why it doesn't count. I mean, it was a comic book published by Marvel. They're jumping there, she's an alternate version of a different character jumping through alternate realities. Sure, but it's a what, what if book? So you're saying that they would introduce like just the regular Marvel six one six version of that same character? No, I'm saying she falls out of the fucking exiles or whatever, and boom, doesn't count. She's from an alternate reality. Counts now <laughs> by your own rationale. She's in this reality though. Now here <laughs> counts. Okay. Uh, yeah, I mean that's the mistake. I don't know if it's a mistake, but it's a mistake. I, I think that I think that as as fun as that Exiles book was, uh, Tanizi was it Tanizi Coast? No. no, it was uh, Solid and Ahmed. Yes, I think that uh, that Valkyrie character uh, they should have introduced her to more fanfare if they were going to bring in the movie version. Right, I agree. She deserved a more of a, yes, a and spotlight. Drop her into the regular Marvel universe now. However, I don't need Jane Foster was great as Thor. I loved her. I'm not one of those. I thought she was great. Sure. But like it's happening again. Really? I think it's nice. I think it's nice that they took a character that they they took Jane Foster and they put her into a, into the spotlight. They made her a starring character. Right. And she can still be around and be Jane. But she wouldn't be like they it, it, there's this um impression that they like relegated her back to second tier supporting character status when she stopped being thor she stopped being i get that i just and i think it's nice that they're saying no jane foster we still want jane foster to be a major force in the marvel universe i, I that's it's a mistake hmm. <laughs> in my opinion hmm. dropping the ball uh artist russell dotterman who is uh who drew all of jane foster's thor run and uh is drawing war of the realms designed the new valkyrie costume she looks awesome she does look awesome. She's got like a kick ass. She's got like this glowing weapon and it turns into whatever she wants it to be. It's kind of like Green Lantern-ish. Super neat looking. Ooh. Yeah. Neat. Uh, I think the book's going to be good. I, it, it'll be uh, good. Regardless, like, yes. It's going to be good. Yes, they should have done better by the movie version of the character yeah. if they were going to bring her in. But I think this will still be good. It's going to be good. I don't disagree. I just, I wish they would have gone with the movie character. And I rarely say that. Sure. I, other way around, usually. Like, stay out. Sure. <laughs> Jane Foster, colon, Valkyrie, number one, is due out in July. Whether you like it or not. There you go. That is your nerd news for the week, but I'm sure we missed plenty of other stories while we were out busy scalping Infinity War tickets. I can't believe it. Endgame, nerds sorry. Pay it's for Endgame. Them. Yeah, Endgame. Yeah. Get with it. So hit us up on the THN Forum's big news section, or better yet, tune in to Cover to Cover Live every Saturday, where we broadcast on our Facebook page from 11.30 to 12.30 Central Standard Time. It is like AM talk radio for nerds, minus like the weird alien conspiracy theories and, uh, you know, government uh, mind control stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I wish they would go back to more alien conspiracy theories. <laughs> it would be more entertaining. Yeah. <laughs> call us at 402-819-4894 or click the call now button on our Facebook page. And if you can't be there live, leave a message or send an MP3 to it at gmail.com. 
It's spotlight review time in the Ziggurat where Matt and I pick comics from the same three companies so we don't have to work that hard. Matt, how many Marvel books are you reviewing this week? I'm only doing one, and this is not it. All right. That was a nice try. This is what happens when I let Joe Patrick write the jokes. I'm sorry, folks. I'm reviewing Ascender. Number one from Image Comics is written by Jeff Lemire with art by Dustin Wynn. Here is your solicit. The Haunted Galaxy! Part one. I'm not going to tell you about the powerhouse creative team because you know who they are. This is set 10 years after the conclusion of Descenders storyline. Magic has taken the place of machinery and the rules are very different indeed. Mila, the daughter of Andy and Effie from Descender, spends her days exploring the lonely wilds of the planet Samson and trying to stay out of the clutches of evil disciples of the all-powerful vampire witch known only as Mother. But like her parents, Mila doesn't like to play by the rules, and when a certain robot pal of her dad shows up, nothing will ever be the same. With all the scope and the yada, 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 you get it. All right. Jeff Lemire is one of the busiest writers in comics today, and the fact that he has time to even come up with a plot like Descender blows my mind, okay? He set up this beautiful world with Ascender, a wonderful story that was very sci-fi, yet magical, and now... Part two, completely switching gears. The magic is here. The sci-fi is still sort of here. In the background. But it's way more rooted in fantasy, no doubt. Dustin Wynn is using his watercolor talents at what seems to be a whole new level. And I don't know if there's just certain creators or certain writers, pardon me, that can just force a performance out of an artist but Jeff Lemire seems to be that guy. Everyone that works with him does some of their best work I have ever seen. His panels of the vampire witch and her awful children are just haunting and beautiful. They're like a Goya painting if it was written by Jim Henson. There's a very light touch to Descender that Lemire carried through from Ascender. While this is a fairy tale in a very alien world, nothing feels confusing or even that alien really he does a wonderful job keeping the world building just light enough to let winds ink do the rest and the two together make an amazing book i almost hate reviewing titles like descender because they become review proof no one's going to pick up this first issue and call it garbage but it's also maybe not the best place to start the story with that said it's not the worst either because Lemire is so talented that he can even make new readers want to spend more time in this world. I'm giving this a buy it, but at the same time, I can see how someone might pick this up and go, what is this? What is going on here? <laughs> Where am I? You know, uh, especially like going from ascender to descender. You keep interchanging the two names. We, we went from descender to ascender. This is Ascender uh, number me. one. <laughs> so, going from Ascender to Descender. You did it again. Going from Descender, descender to, to ascender. ascender. Oh, my God. Going from Descender to Ascender can feel maybe a bit of a jump. I haven't, I'm pretty removed from the first title, but this was definitely different. See, and I, I think I disagree uh, in the sense that, like, I think that the disconnect between the two books is worse if you read the first one because I picked this up not having read Descender and I was like, yeah, this is a perfectly great first issue. See, okay. You didn't need to know that the characters that she flashes back to were from the previous book. You did not need to know that that little robot was, no, a, I was agree. his pal. 
but it does have weight if it does. Right, but and it, and it led me. Maybe I was just worried about like what sure. someone like you who like, didn't read it if, would think. Yes, I agree that it can have more weight if it does. Like if you did, um, but not going in cold. I just thought this was a perfectly excellent first issue where they're setting up this world. It's totally different from the uh, previous volume in terms of tone and, right. and, and genre almost. Um, and yeah, I was, I had no problems. Okay, I thought that I, confirms my, okay. That confirms my feelings thought, that this is masterful. I thought that I was going to read it and be lost. I thought I was going to pick it up and go, Oh man, like I don't have any frame of reference for any of this stuff. Right. It's a first issue. Lemire and Wynn set it up. They tell you everything you need to know to enjoy it. Yeah. So don't sweat it if you haven't read the first one. But they also don't tell you enough that it chokes you and like leaves you bogged down in anything like so many right. fantasy yeah, stories do. Yeah, like there's not like a five-page recap of the previous series. You, you don't, don't need, need it. it. You don't need it at all. Yeah, it's I'm giving this a bite. It was great. Oh, it was wonderful. Joe Patrick, your turn. Tell me about the ghost tree. Let's get into our feelings. I am reviewing Ghost Tree number one from IDW, written by Bobby Kernow, with art by Simon Gain, colors by Ian Herring and Becca Kinsey. It's 32 pages. For $3.99, here's your solicit. Seeking a refuge from an unhappy life, Brant returns to his ancestral home in Japan to find a haunted tree and the departed souls that are drawn to it, including his grandfather. Just like PewDiePie did. Yeah, just like <laughs> PewDiePie did. Brant, what? Fuck that guy, by the way. <laughs> Brant? He was the one that found, like, the person hanging in the suicide forest in Japan and, like, filmed it. And put it on YouTube and gotten all that trouble. That wasn't PewDiePie. Was PewDiePie that Logan What's-His-Head? Yeah, Logan Ball. Oh, yeah, fuck him, too. Uh, PewDiePie is a video game streamer. Brant attempts to heal some of history's wounds, but will he be able to find any measure of peace for himself when someone special from his past returns? Ghost Tree begins in the past as the main character's grandfather introduces him to a secluded grove that is much more than it seems. Brant is full of childlike innocence and imagination, which is a stark contrast against his older, world-weary self. He doesn't fully understand everything that his ground grandfather's telling him or the importance of it, but he promises to return to that spot 10 years after his grandpa's passing. I was completely unfamiliar with writer Bobby Kernow's work going in. Uh, I looked it up. He's a longtime IDW company man. I was going to tell you, worked on TMNT. Pri primarily working as an editor, though he has done a fair amount of work on their TMNT titles. I found the themes in this script to be very relatable, dealing with loss, reconnecting with loved ones, the struggles of adulthood, and the desire to run away from your problems. Okay, boy, the desire to run away from all my problems. <laughs> Don't be a baby. <laughs> now nah, my life is good. Simon Gaines' art is beautifully detailed. He takes the time to painstakingly render every vine, every branch, roof shingle, and strand of hair. His style reminds me a bit of Lock and Key's Gabriel Rodriguez, but... His line work is less technically precise. So this is like an artist thing. If you look at Gabriel Rodriguez's art, it's much more fine line. Yeah. Like he inks yes. it with a pen. Mateo Santaluelco. That's what it reminded me of. Um, this is very obviously uh, done with brush. Yeah. The, the, the strokes are thick. They taper and, and uh, taper and untaper. I don't know. They taper and then they the, the, untaper. The width of it, you know, varies. Hard-hitting analysis I, here, I don't folks, know the opposite from a of taper. real artist. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> but, like, his facial expressions reminded me of Rodriguez. I think like the, the opposite of taper is fatter. Fatter, okay. yeah. They taper and fatter. They, 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 taper, <laughs> they taper and vapor. Uh, it's also very expressive. 
Uh, his anatomy is ever so slightly exaggerated, so each character is completely distinctive. You know what it is. It's a cross between uh, Gabriel Rodriguez and, uh, not Gabriel Ba, Fabio Moon. Okay. Yeah, uh, with, I'll give you that. Uh, with the brush strokes. Yes. <clears throat> the colors by Herring and Kinsey wash the art with beautiful shades of green, ironically making the Japanese forest full of ghosts seem alive. Ghost Tree isn't a flashy book. It's not exciting, but I thought it was compelling and it's very contemplative. I had to look up how to say that word. Contemplative. 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 It just depends where you put the emphasis. Yeah, right. On the you, syllable. You put the emphasis on the wrong syllable. <laughs> As the solicit says, it's a touching story about love, loss, and how the past never truly stays dead. I'll be coming back to hear more of Brant's grandpa's ghost stories. I'm giving this a buy it. I really I, liked it. I very much like this. I have to wonder, does this work in a monthly book, or do you think it would... Be, it's a mini. Four issues, I think. Do you think Four it would better issues. loan itself to just a graphic novel? It depends on what they do. You know what I mean? It depends on what they do with the stories. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. I wonder if each chapter is going to be like very distinctive. If they're going to do it like that, maybe. If it's all going to be like this, I just feel like it would be better served to be a graphic novel. I and think it's an easier sell as a as a floppy. Probably. For retailers, for sure. For the first issue, anyway. Yeah. I don't know. So, I don't know. Um, but, yeah, I see what you're saying. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I, I just I feel do, like for books sure. like this, it's almost like just getting the whole idea and sitting down and going, all right, wow, I see what you did there. And I think it'll be really impressive when it's all done. Yeah. But if, this is one of those books, not because it's bad, but no, this no. is one of those books that could be easily forgotten in the pile because it was light it was contemplative it was contemplative contemplative <laughs> contemplative but, but yeah this wasn't a big slam bang action no no it's just like a character piece yeah and it really was well done uh, i'm giving it a bite as well i very much it, enjoyed it i just think it might be better served as a graphic novel. and i totally agree but you're right that could be it could be sale. it could be lost on the stacks uh, speaking from like a retailer perspective though i'm a few years removed from it it's a lot easier to say i'm going to take a chance on five or ten copies of this right. little thing that sounds interesting rather than buying a, a more expensive graphic novel that sits on the shelf. And not to mention the fact that I'm glad IDW is still putting stuff like this out and it's not just another licensed book. Yeah, yeah, it's not you, like you know. Ghostbusters colon Ghost Tree. Right. <laughs> We're gonna, we'll post our written reviews over at TwoEditedNerd.com so the fat web design cast we blew our big two bribe money on doesn't go to waste. But... We want to hear from you, too. So call us this weekend on THN Cover to Cover. Let us know what you thought of these comics. Did you think Ghost Tree would be better as a graphic novel? Love to hear from you. I'll say this about Ghost Tree. It doesn't feel like... A, sometimes you read things and you're like, this was a graphic novel. Yes. The, and you could uh, plainly see. They were just like, all right, we'll stop the here. Tree, yeah, right. It's just weird. But <laughs> yeah. this was like, yeah, that ma this makes sense as a first issue. It was right. crafted as, it for this form. And I agree with what you say. If they're going to do it sort of anthology style with a different field, then that makes sense. Then, yes, four different issues. Definitely. Avengers Endgame is almost here, and if we read one more article about anyone claiming they figured out the end, I swear we're grabbing baseball bats and coming straight to the writer's house. No one cares about your theories, Karen! And we'll <laughs> prove it by smashing your damn faces in! Yeah, violence towards women! What? Karen... <laughs> Karen was a was a wrong choice. It was just an impulse. I don't know what happened there. I'm sorry. Yeah, I don't know either. That was odd. <laughs> Brad! No one cares, Brad! 
We're going to do it all while we review eight more of this Wednesday's new comics during the ludicrous speed round. I would have said nobody cares about your opinions, IGN, or your opinions. Sure. Comic Book Resources. Stephanie! Comic Book Resources has put out no less than 200 tweets to 200 different articles with 200 different fucking dumb theories. Yeah. Some of the dumbest theories. So they were like, wait till you see Moon Knight pop up in the end of this. Like, what the fuck are you even talking about? <laughs> Shut up! Ludicrous speed! Go! Wild, the Wildstorm, number 22 from DC. It's not from Wildstorm. Yeah, I guess Wildstorm it's just doesn't DC. exist. Yeah, I guess it's just DC. I recently had a chance to catch up on Warren Ellis' Wildstorm epic, and the only thing that bothers me about this book is I am scared that he's going to lose interest in it and stop. The ish, this issue, the authority is finally coming together, and it looks like it's too late, and the Wildstorm U is screwed. <laughs> John Davis Hunt's art is wonderful. I love the slight character redesign of Apollo and the Midnighter and couldn't be happier to have them out of the DCU and back where they belong. Please, Warren, please don't stop making this comic, and please don't teach us a lesson in how we can have a good thing, but if we don't support it, you're going to take it away and murder the universe, because I feel like this is going to have a really unhappy ending. <laughs> Do you Buy it! There you go. Star Trek, year five, number one from IDW. The Enterprise crew is nearing the end of their five-year mission, and Jim Kirk isn't ready to give up his life of exploration and adventure for the death job waiting for him when they get back to Earth. Yeah, me neither. I don't normally have a ton of interest in comics about the original Trek crew, but the story here by Jackson Lansing and Colin Kelly was really compelling. Stephen Thompson does a fine job on art duties. His character work is great, with good likenesses that aren't distracting like they traced them. I read that with good likenesses that aren't disgusting. They're not disgusting either. <laughs> Likenesses, but they're disgusting. <laughs> this issue sets up a great mystery with an end and ends with a cliffhanger that will definitely bring me back next month. Star Trek Year Five Number One gets a buy it. IDW Star Trek, man, it's great. It is Punk Mambo Number One from Valiant. Why? The only Valiant character I have never given a crap about is back, and this time Colin Bunn is doing his best to get me invested, but it's only barely working. <laughs> this was definitely a better outing for Punk Mambo, but I hate the character's name. Why would any self-respecting punk rocker put punk in their name? It's just stupid. And I still barely understand what Is her magic... Is it her actual name? Like, they refer to yes, her as Punk Mambo? Yes, they call her Punk Mambo. They're like, hey, Punk Mambo, would you like to go out to lunch on Monday? Yes. Punk Mambo, can you call your mother? She right. really misses you. Punk Mambo, you better pay that bill or they're going to turn off your cable. And I still barely understand what her magic is and what it does other than smash and kill stuff. Like, when you read a Doctor Strange book, or better yet, when you read Shadow Man, another Valiant book, it is very apparent that he works in the world of voodoo and does voodoo stuff. I don't have the slightest goddamn clue what her magic set is or how it works. The character just comes off as a dumber version of John Constantine with a really bad name. Adam Gorin was very solid in pencils here, but I still barely care about the character. I am going to give it a skim it for the effort. War of the Realms, Uncanny X-Men, number one from Marvel. Matthew Rosenberg and Perry Perez deliver this War of the Realms tie-in that must be just smashed between the panels of recent uncanny issues. There's a big disconnect between the two books as the Earth in War of the Realms is pretty much fucked. And some major developments happened in last week's X-Men that aren't referenced at all. Here. Oh, are you yelling about the shit that I normally yell about? I get that. <laughs> is that what you're doing? I don't normally mind when every title doesn't reflect every event. But I found the disconnect distracting here because it's the same 
it's the same comic essentially. It's just another issue of Uncanny X-Men. That would be like if Uncanny X-Men number 19 didn't say anything about Uncanny X-Men number 18. You are never allowed to yell at me about this shit ever it's again. It's different. No, it is not. It's different. Nope. Perez is decent on art, and this issue features the long-awaited return of Nanny and Orphan Maker. It's about goddamn that's time! Your thing, somebody cares. <laughs> Damn! War of the Realms Uncanny X-Men number one is fine, but I found it hard to care when I know that nothing that happens in this book is going to have any bearing on the characters. It's a skimmit. Thanos number one from Marvel. The Mad Titan is back just in time for Avengers Endgame, strangely enough. Ooh, Ooh, who would it, right? But this time, Tiny Howard is on writing duty. Our story starts with Gamora, fresh from the weird ending of Infinity War, telling us the story of Thanos' first Black Squadron. Ariel Olivetti draws the hell out of the issue and isn't using the lousy CG backgrounds he used to love so much. The plot is solid, but every time I read a Thanos story, I cannot help but wonder, who wants to work for this guy? Yeah. Are the benefits just, like, fantastic? Because he seems like the shittiest boss ever. Like, like, who, like, it's like somebody deciding that they really want to be a henchman for the Joker. Yeah, it, well, it goes beyond that even. Because, like, the Joker is a crazy person, and maybe part of you thinks, I can get away from this guy, I'll just fucking leave, whatever. Thanos is like a god. And I would understand if the Black Order was, like, zealots, like religious they zealots. they worshipped him. But these guys are just sort of like, hey, we got a job to do. And, like, they're asking questions like, why do you want us to do that and stuff? You know, like... You're in the wrong place to be doing that. <laughs> so I was going to give it a buy it. I'm giving it a skim it because I can't wrap my head around well, that. Now, hold on now. No, that's I'm, not a that's not the comic's fault. No, it's not the comic's fault, but the way they wrote it makes it, it, it becomes a bigger issue. All right. If you read it, you'll see. Fair enough. Star Wars Galaxy Edge, number one from Marvel. I guess we're still doing comics about theme park attractions. Remember Haunted Mansion? There was a comic about the haunted mansion. Yeah, I, I guess I was hoping we were done with all that stuff. But this one's different because it's not open yet. Oh, <laughs> Galaxy's Edge follows the exploits of a gang of smugglers at the uh, edge of the galaxy. Oh, gotcha. Set sometime during the reign of the First Order. The problem with basing comics on theme parks is that there's no real backstory to draw from, which is why writer Ethan Sachs inserts an extended flashback scene featuring Han Solo, who, by the way, isn't one of the aforementioned smugglers, what? into the book. Without it, no joke, this issue would have been four pages long. <laughs> Will Sliney's art is very good here, but Star Wars Galaxy's Edge number one is for super fans and completionists only. I'm giving it a skim. Do they focus on how the galaxy is flat and there's like an ice wall at the edge of the galaxy and like water like falls off <laughs> sure, of it? Sure, right. It's like Discworld. Yeah, 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 yeah. You don't want to go to the No, edge. I mean, it's like flat Earth. Is what yeah, it is. right. I yeah, get that. yeah. Jughead the Hunger versus Vampironica number one from Archie. Neither one of those are the names of the characters. I hate that. I hate <laughs> it so much when they do that. We'll figure it out. Yeah. If you just say, like, Jughead versus Veronica and you make sure. it look scary, we'll figure it out. Just when Veronica thought she had ended the vampire menace, more show up and kill Pops. Oh! Frank Thierry writes this crossover that only featured Jughead on the first three pages, I might add. From there, we get a pretty lame twist as to why vampires are still around. And while I've never been a vampire, I would guess that I would know if I was, right? Not poor Ronnie. She thought she was fine. Turns out, nope, you're still a vampire. You know, like, going outside in the sun is a good way to figure out if sure. you're a vampire. Like, day one, maybe, you wake up and you're like, hmm. Yeah, I can only give this a skim it because it's just all of a sudden the rules got really weird and the twist was dumb. Nah. Just dumb. Dick Tracy, forever, from IDW. Look. 
I didn't plan on reviewing so many IDW books this week. Yes, you did. These things just happened. You made a joke about getting uh, bribing the big two, and you reviewed five IDW books. I, look, it was an accident. <laughs> Michael Avon Oming puts his stamp on the classic comic strip detective with a great issue that takes Tracy through three loosely connected short stories. Oming was born to draw this character as he channels the spirit of cartoonist Chester Gould. There are a couple of fun moments that show the origin of Tracy's iconic yellow trench coat and radio wristwatch. Taki Soma's colors bring it all together. I wasn't expecting two awesome Dick Tracy revivals in the span of a few months, but I am all for it. Dick Tracy Forever, number one, gets a buy it. Snap! That is your ludicrous speed round, and snap is the sound of onomatopoeia. The character, not the not the noun. Oh, I was like, wait a minute. Breaking one of Green Arrow's arrows <laughs> oh as seen God. on the cover of Kevin Smith and Phil Hester's Green Arrow, number I 13. I hated that character. Oh, I thought he was fun. Stupid. Well, how does this power even work? He doesn't have powers. He goes he's fart just like a killer. Fart. No, no, he didn't have powers. He just spoke in onomatopoeia. That's yeah, all he ever said. Remember, he'd be like, break, and your leg would break. I don't. Yeah, that was part of his deal. I don't think that's true. Yes, he had a power to do no, that. No, no, he was just a killer. We're going to look You're this up wrong. when we're done. He was just You're a killer. Wrong. We're looking this up when we're done. Don't you remember? Because Kevin Smith brought him back as a guy pretending to be Batman's sidekick. Where we re- where it was revealed that Batman peed himself in that one time. <laughs> yeah, that's why I remember. Yeah. yeah. If you oh, this onomatopoeia was submitted by Adam Wednesday via the THN Facebook fan page. If you want to submit an onomatopoeia of the week, you can shove it in our quiver or hit us up on any of the social media platforms or shoot an email to twoheadednerd at gmail.com. Onomatopoeia is an athlete, martial artist, weapons expert. He invariably carries two semi-automatic handguns, a sniper rifle, and an army knife. He appears to be quite intelligent, having orchestrated the Joker's escape to draw Batman, as well as avoiding capture by giving... But, but this is... What does this have to do with his fucking powers? It remains unrevealed whether or not Onomatopoeia is a metahuman. Although it has been noted by Green Arrow that he is enhanced in some way. In Green Arrow 15, he was shot with six arrows, two to one shoulder, and one fatally pierced through his left side of his chest. One arrow in between the first middle knuckles of his right hand, one through his right foot. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is gross. Okay, so yeah, apparently he doesn't do that. Yeah, no, he was just a dude. He's durable enough to survive direct explosions and fires that would kill normal human beings. Just like me. Sure, yeah. (laughs) Well, nerds, as I'm sure you've heard, we're back in Game of Thrones season where everybody thinks it's cool to like fantasy. Even that fantasy-hating son of a bitch, Joe Patrick. I thought we established that my f- hating fantasy was a recurring joke. I love Game of Thrones. Yeah, ha, ha, real funny, motherfucker. You want to hang with real fantasy nerds, Joey? You better make your dice rolls and be ready to bleed for them. Now take off your shirt, because we're carving matching elven runes into our chest while we watch the original Rankin-Bass Hobbit animated film and tell these nerds about our must-read picks for next Wednesday. May 1st. Pretty dramatic. Is, is that Prove it! <sighs> My pick for next week is Year of the Villain, number one from DC Comics. Written by Brian Michael Bendis, Scott Snyder, and James Tinney in the Four, with art by Jim Chung, Alex Maleev, and Francis Manipole. It's uh, some amount of pages, they didn't specify, for 25 fucking cents. Yeah. A quarter. That's neato. Here's your solicit. Evil is winning. Lex Luthor and the Legion of Doom conspire with cosmic gods, bending mankind toward a dark destiny. Elsewhere, the scourge of Leviathan spreads unchecked, seizing power in every corner of the world. And all the while, the Batman who laughs... Uh, I know. Every time I say it, it makes me tired. Busies himself in the shadows, aligned with no one yet, with sinister plans for all. 
You can get arrested for busying yourself in the shadows. That's right. <laughs> the carnage starts here as the bad guys take center stage in the year of the villain, the most treacherous event in DC Comics history. Some act with united goals, others with plans selfish and secret, every one of them on a monstrous collision course against Batman, Superman, and the heroes of the DC Universe, and our heroes will fail us. What? Look, I don't know if I'm really excited about this, but... I'm excited about it's it. It's the launch of a big event. It's only a quarter. That's how you do it. Yeah, definitely. They've got their biggest dudes on it. Okay, and last week I was complaining about Justice League because the story is so big and cosmic and wacky, but it is going to go straight into this. And I guess you have to do something like that. If you want to stick this landing, it's got to be massive. Yeah, yeah. You know what? It's got to be huge. They're, they're taking a big swing. So we'll see. Yeah, but for a quarter, like seriously, yeah. what do you got to lose? My pick for next week is Gogor, number one. A little more down to earth here. Sure. From Image Comics, it's written and drawn by Ken Gehring. He is great. Ken Gehring also uh, wrote and drew Planetoid, which I very much enjoyed. Yeah. Here's your solicit. Deep underground among the floating island of Artara, the mystical Gogor sleeps. But trouble brews above ground as soldiers of the Domus impose their will across the land. Now a young student named Armano must awaken Gogor and begin his quest to protect the culture of Altara. 28 pages of story, baby. Huh? Hermano? Hermano? Armano. Hermano. Uh, Armano. His name is Brother. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love Planetoid. Ken Gehring's super talented. Yeah. This will be good. And this just, it reads like a weird anime. I'm totally down. It's going to be super fun. I did not put the trade of the week you in should, either. You're not I great at this. I fucked everything up. Yeah, you did. Okay, so let's try this. I'm just going to copy it and you paste it. Oh, really? Yeah. That'll well, work? Yep. Mm. That's what I was telling you it does. Well, I said I was like Tony Stark with a small dick. Well, I'm, <laughs> I didn't know that you could copy something and then I could paste it. That's, yeah, I'll that's try and a whole different After deal. you see it, say that. You try and paste that in there. Whoa. There you go. You're like Tony Stark with a small dick. <laughs> The THN Trade of the Week goes to Aliens Dead Orbit. It's an oversized hardcover from Dark Horse Comics. It's written and illustrated by James Stokoe. It's 104 pages for $34.99, which Ooh. is kind of steep, but yeah. it's an oversized hardcover. Oversized Jesus. hardcover. Here's your solicit. After a horrific accident strikes a space station, an engineering officer must use all available tools, a timer, utility kit, and his wits to survive an attack from the deadliest creature known to man. This collects issues one through four of the hit alien story, Dead Orbit, penned by Orc Stain creator James Stokoe, and features new cover art, bonus process material, and high-res scans of original art collected in deluxe, oversized, hardcover it's big. format. It's big. That's why it's 35 bucks. It's deluxe, yeah. It's big. I mean, I'm looking at this like you're buying a book of art. It's yeah, an art book. It's James Stokoe. You're buying it because you like to look at it, you want to showcase it, you want to put it on your coffee table, yeah. whatever. Beyond that. This series was kick-ass. Yeah, it was. It, it was, was the really last good. really good Alien series that I've read. It was fantastic. Kids, these are just a couple of suggestions of comics you should be picking up next week. But you've probably got suggestions for us. What do you want to hear us review? I was serious when I said, pick one thing and make us review it. And we will do it, all right? I'm Call not our shot here. Yes, you will. <laughs> Head on over to THN Forums and you can join in the new comics conversation. We're days away from the premiere of Avengers Endgame and excitement has reached a fever pitch. 
so we thought it would be the perfect time to check in with Marvel Movie Mania across the pond. Live from Mushroom Manor, it's stately Lord Fungus. Live from Mushroom Manor, I am the tantalizingly tasty stately Lord Fungus. And this is without a shadow of a doubt, Tales from the Manor, episode 1 million. This month, I plan to discuss my love of early 1920s propaganda cartoons of eastern Kazakhstan. But then this small indie movie caught my attention and I thought I'd have a chat around that for a few minutes. But before we discuss Avengers Endgame, I'd like to take a moment to thank everyone from the local coven that visited the manor last week to help out with our rat-infed station. Honestly, I don't know how such an old house can go so long without a deluge of rats, but those old ladies certainly know how to change local children into vermin quicker than I can upload images of myself and Matt Balm from the 1970s Joy of Sex Annual Volume 3. So, endgame. We still have a few days to go until it opens in the UK, and myself and the good lady wife are booked into the posh seats for 10am on Saturday morning. Honestly, these elevated seats are expensive, but can you really put a price on a reduction in sticky carpet and a bar that opens at 10am? The weight of expectation this film carries is immense. Now, stop me if you've heard this one before, but this instalment of the franchise could, for once, genuinely change the Marvel Universe. Now, I'm a DC image kid and I rarely step into the world of Marvel Comics much, apart from the odd Captain Marvel and the occasional Guardians of the Galaxy. But the movie studio's output has been, without too much hyperbole, incredible. The journey we have all been on since we first clapped eyes on Tony Stark to the sound of ACDC has been nothing short of stellar. Okay. There are always a few misfires, you know, you know what I'm going to say, Iron Man 2 and Thor The Dark World, they could have been better, but even at their worst, Marvel Studios continues to be a benchmark for quality. Personally, my favourite film of the franchise will always be a toss-up between Civil War and Guardians of the Galaxy, but then again, Ragnarok and The Winter Soldier were also incredible. Now, bugger, um, Captain Marvel, Black Panther, Infinity War Part 1, you see... It's a nice problem to have, isn't it, being sport by so many consistently excellent movies? Which brings me nicely to Endgame and the fate of all sentient life held tightly in the big gloved mittens of Thanos. Has there been a better Marvel villain than the big purple ball sack? Sure, Purple Man and Loki both left an impact on their respective corners of the universe, but the way we've seen Thanos fleshed out to the point of borderline likability is testament to some fantastic writing. His interactions with the Avengers thus far have been merely a warm-up for Act 2, and his relationship with Gamora in Part 1 was heartbreaking to be part of. Let us not forget, though, the bastard ripped his other daughter, Nebula, into pieces and simply stuck her back together time and again until she was driven almost mad with a rage to destroy Gamora. He wiped out half of the entire universe simply because he felt he needed to. And make no mistake, as sympathetic as he can be in certain scenes, he's very much the villain of this piece. So, I guess the biggest speculation will not only be around which, if any, of the Avengers won't make it out of the movie alive, but where the MCU goes next once Thanos is finally put to rest. Perhaps the Russo brothers aren't actually telling the general population to keep quiet about the perceived character deaths, but in fact about the moment when we see the Fantastic Art zoom into shot or Galactus chobble a planet. 
Personally, and this is just my take, I don't think there will be a big bad for a while. The heroes of the MCU will simply battle their respective nemeses in corners of the universe, and it won't be until phase six or seven before the Silver Surfer heralds lunchtime for the big dude with a tin opener on his head. Anyway, look, that's enough from me for this month. I'll be all giddy come Saturday morning, but that's probably the massive amount of heroin that Auntie Kath left here over Easter. So, until next time, nerds, this is Stately Lord Fungus signing off with something that the Dalai Lama told me when he last visited the manor. Stately, he said, you're standing on my foot. Could you please fuck off? Something I think we can all take something from. That is it for THN 526. And if Thanos snaps his fingers again, there might not be a 527. Joe Patrick, before we face our impending cosmic doom, please ask these nerds a new question of the week. This week's question comes from Harvey Locust via the THN forums. You have just been hired to head the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and you are allowed to bring just one character from the Netflix Marvel shows over. Who do you bring to the big leagues, and where do you put them? Mm. Mm, that's a good question. Mm. It's a tough one. Yeah, that is a tough one. It's not Iron Fist. Play that much. <laughs> no. If you're new to the show and you wish Thanos would have snapped us out of existence, I assure you, it's only because you haven't heard enough of it. The good news is, you can hear the entire run of THN in our digital longbox archive at TwoHeadedNerd.com. But hosting that many episodes, it ain't cheap. So we want to thank donors like our brand new patron, Sean Devlin. Yeah, thanks, Sean. Does that name sound familiar? Do we know Sean? Uh, no. I so don't think Sean's so. just a stranger. He just was like, "Here's some money." He's like, I'm a stranger and I want to give you money. Yeah. Fuck yeah, internet. We're like, fuck yeah. We're like cult <laughs> leaders almost. Before we go, our weekly shout out goes to Kazuo Koike, writer and creator of the legendary manga series Lone Wolf and Cub. Koike died of complications from pneumonia this past Wednesday. He was 82, though, so he had a good run. Yes. He didn't just write samurai comics, though. He was also an avid golfer and a professional mahjong player, which he also wrote about in long, detailed mangas. Probably not as interesting as Lone Wolf and Cub, which I love. Still fun. It's a fun fact, I'm not going to sit down and read his fucking mahjong comic. (laughs) It'll change your life. Where do you, Koike-san? Until next time, true believers, remember to pre-order your comics or your retailer just might fill your pull file with golf books. This is the Two-Headed Nerd, signing off. You know he didn't just do one, but there's probably <laughs> volumes. 60 volumes sure, yeah. of professional golf. Yeah. King of pro golf. Absolutely. You know? <laughs> President golf. <laughs> what was it, Prince of Tennis? Prince of that? Tennis, yeah, <laughs> Prince of Tennis. Yeah.